the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into part two of uh, this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. And uh, joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, joining us uh, a little bit late, but in progress, uh, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome. Uh, thank you, Tom. I, I apologize for being a little bit late, but I was on a national call with the National Association of Clinical Health Care. So I'm back now. I'm free. Okay. Well, good, good to have your voice here, Henry. And, thank uh, you. And joining good us to for... Hear from yeah, joining us for this week's uh, edition of Armchair Politics, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson is joining us at the roundtable. Hi, Jan. Hi. Hi, Henry. Good to hear your voice. Thank you. And as we move on to uh, Lansing... Uh, Senate Democrats introduced a constitutional amendment Thursday that would increase the threshold by which lawmakers can adopt ballot initiatives, an action that keeps citizen-led proposals off the ballot and out of voters' hands. Senate Joint Resolution N would require a vote of three-fourths of the members in each chamber to enact a law proposed by initiative petition. Democrats say it would preserve public input, which is still largely decided by the state legislature. The amendment would increase the threshold by which the Michigan legislature can adopt an initiative to three-quarters vote by 29 senators and 83 representatives from the simple majority vote now required for adoption. Lawmakers can concurrent, or can currently choose not to act on successful petition initiatives, which sends the proposals to the ballot. They also have another option, uh, adopting an initiative before it reaches the ballot with a majority vote in each chamber and amending the citizen-proposed law later on. Um, I've always assumed that legislators were reluctant to let voters create their own laws. Um, do you think Senate Democrats can uh, get enough Republican support to make it easier for voters to uh, do uh, these kinds of citizen initiatives? I don't know, but I think I think it's a good idea because what's really happened is that that's 
legislative initiatives become kind of a a stunt to work around the the the, uh, the public initiative. Very often, groups will will put forward a petition, get it signed, knowing full well it's not going to go to the voters on the assumption that the legislature will then pick it up and pass that petition. And the, the real problem has been is that not only do they pass it without the voters' approval, but they'll often amend it. You know, somebody will say, "Well, we want a petition for you know." $10 an hour minimum wage or $15 minimum wage, and the legislature picks it up and they change the numbers to $8 or $12, and that replaces the voters' initiative. So it's really been kind of a an odd loophole in the Constitution around the initiative process we have in Michigan, and it's been used in that way a lot in recent years. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in terms of this, the sure honesty of the process... Uh, it, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with the legislature approving things that the voters want. Like I said, it's become a method for really undermining what the voters want sometimes by introducing a somewhat different proposal that often isn't exactly what they wanted in the first place. Right. So, Paul, didn't, didn't that happen with the emergency manager law, with the emergency manager law? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I'm trying to recall the exact numbers of them right now, but with the emergency manager law, there was one proposed by the voters, and then in a, in a lame duck session, if I recall correctly, they approved yeah. something substantially different that still retained nearly all the emergency manager powers. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah, that was... yeah you, you would think, though, that uh, <clears throat> all powers of government emanate from people, the people. And it kind of makes sense. But on the other hand, <clears throat> uh, I think with too many people making decisions, they impede uh, the uh, smooth running of government. Too many people out there, but too many depend. We can't bring them all together. And they, they do come together under the legislature like that when there's a referendum out there and they intercept it and they run with it. There's something that to say about that. But on the other hand, we got to remember that all powers emanate from people and we need to decide whether we're going to continue that as a constitutional um, <clears throat> right or not. Then you find yourself asking... How many people, which people, and who yeah. is capable of changing what the people said? It, it, yeah, the, it's all suddenly becoming for, in the forefront, isn't it? Yes. I, I like the idea. And I, I've always been on the, the uh, really... Uh, I, mean, I think it's been very clear. On the idea. Some of these petitions that were, were put out there... In getting signatures with the full intent that they would never go in front of the public, the intent was to get those issues in front of the legislature. Uh, and, and really, the key thing here is that if they, if you do that, you avoid the governor's veto. So if you want to, if you want to pass something and not have to worry about the governor's veto, what yeah. you do is you you get a petition, get it in front of the legislature, get it passed by majority vote, and the governor does not have the power to veto it, where she would have the power under an ordinary ordinary law. Ah, huh. Yeah. Well, that would that would depend largely on what party is running the the government. Both oh, that's true. That's true. And the governor's office. And, and this is an ideal situation when all three are the same. 
But but when you've got a Republican legislature now and, and a Democratic yeah. governor, that's just where the conflict comes. Now, yes. now maybe if, if some Republicans are afraid that could happen in the future where there's a Democratic legislature and Republican governor, they might join in this. But but I think the real thing is, from from my perspective, I think it, it, it violates the, the intent of the Constitution. Yeah, the idea was that, that if the voters wanted to do A, B, and C, just to save the trouble of going through an election, the, the legislature could pass A, B, and C. Uh, but, like I say, it's become kind of a loophole of avoiding a gubernatorial veto these days. And, and clearly planned that way. It wasn't accidental for a number of major issues. And that was my point, too. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see if we can... Uh, this is one I think is going to stir up a little bit of uh, conversation. Dozens of Republican candidates for elected office in Michigan have stated their belief that the 2020 election was stolen in response to a questionnaire created by America First conservatives vowing to take control of the GOP. The questionnaire crafted by America First precinct delegates and conservative activists forms a statement of priorities for the group of pro-Donald Trump Republicans. So far, 42 candidates for public office in Michigan have recorded their views on critical race theory, vaccine passports, a forensic audit of 2020 results, removal of Dominion voting machines, and what they believe happened during the January 6, 2021 riot. Respondents include uh, candidates for governor, uh, attorney general, secretary of state, Congress, the state legislature, the Michigan Board of Education, and local offices. Deborah L., a Frankenmuth precinct delegate, and an ardent Trump supporter who worked on his 2020 re-election campaign, posted the questionnaire on dozens of conservative-aligned Facebook pages this week. L said it's been a work in progress. Candidates have been turning in responses since the spring of 2021. The body of responses appears to show some solidarity in identifying and replacing Republicans who aren't loyal to the former president. L claims America First Republicans make up a strong majority Of the party. Meanwhile, pro Trump uh, activists are working to ensure that by filling vacant precinct delegate positions with allies. Meanwhile, pro Trump activists are working to ensure that by filling vacant precinct delegate positions with allies. Is this the return of free elections or the end of them? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. There, there's a fork in the road, and I don't know which one to take. <laughs> I think a lot of Republicans are asking themselves that, Henry. Yeah. You know, in fact, yeah. the one question I would raise for those who, who claim the 2020 election was, was fraudulent is that how did you get elected? I mean, it's true that right. Trump lost, but Republicans did quite well in, in the House. They gained seats there. They held their own in the Senate reasonably well. They gained governorships and did well in state legislatures. Does that mean all of those elections were also fraudulent, too? Because they were all in the same ballot. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, by I, some uh, accounts, Republicans had a very good year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, does that include... <laughs> <laughs> getting Trump out of the White House. 
I, I just, I just can't. I mean, to answer your question, it does feel like it's the end of free elections because everything that you just said is asking people to um, agree to a lie, and um, and you and you have to you have to buy into this whole set of dogmas uh, that. Um, are not true. They're based on things that are not true. And I just can't, you know, to me, that's just incredibly depressing and worrisome. And uh, but, so I say, yeah, I say, yeah, this is, this is bad. Uh, for, for I think, I think also what, what really um, bothers Americans seriously down in, and they won't talk about it. What happened January 6th? That is what's making many people apprehensive. They love the former president and all of that, but what really did happen January 6th? We don't know. And that's, but it's a grave uh, proposition to consider. And <clears throat> I think that once that is all cleared, we can see our way ahead better. But right now, there's some serious issues that threaten the whole integrity of the governmental process in the United States. And I yeah. think there are Democrats and independents and men and women and black and whites and all of those segments of people who make up this whole facade uh, are yet concerned about that. Yeah, no, I, I think we've, you know, we're, we're losing trust in the system, and that's, that's a hard thing to replace once that's gone. Yeah, uh, but there should be a the decision. Facade, Henry. Yeah, did you, that, did you that, use the word facade. Well, I probably should. Did you say more that. about that? No, I. More about what you mean by that? By that facade? By what it appears to be. Um. And it's. Yeah. So a, I think there's a misrepresentation of what happened no, I, by Democrats. Well, we just don't know. We, you know, there's too much conversation out there that has not been nailed down. It's not converging, so we left our aloof out here. And and uh, people want, they would love to see Trump back in the White House because of the world events uh, that are happening. We need a strong president, but we don't want a, a president that that uh, we want his name cleared. If we can get it cleared, uh, of, uh, name what happens? Name cleared? <laughs> no, you think that we want, no, what I'm talking about. We <laughs> want to hear what happened on January 6th. We want no hanky paint stuff, no politics. And what you're saying mm. is, people would like Trump's name cleared so that he could be reelected. No, so not. Have I a, think a stronger. Well, and that's it. Sounds that way, but there are other implications that are in that same statement. I, I don't think that, you know, there, there are people out here that really like Trump. And they're not Republicans all. They're Democrats. They're, as, soon as, as soon as Henry yeah. catches up with us, I have to cut him off so we can go to a break. Okay. <laughs> well, they're, they're Democrats and Republicans. They're black. And so those people are uncertain as to where they go. And once we clean up this idea of what happened in 
on January 6th, I think the country will come back together. More armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program right Hello, after Hello, darling. This. this is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. 
She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, on the left and right, respectively. And uh, joining us uh, from East Village Magazine, uh, rounding out the roundtable, we have uh, consulting editor Jan Worth Nelson. Respectfully. Uh, 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 Tom? What? Can, Tom, can I just add another comment to the last subject we were discussing. Yeah, I think I think you chose I think you chose a couple of words incorrectly and and uh, I, I I think Jan was wanting to hear more oh, okay. about that. Okay. I'm well, having a stroke. Um, <laughs> well, we can't have my, that. My my um I, if you there was a survey taken just a couple of days ago where 55% of Americans say if we were attacked by Russia or China, they would not pick up arms to fight for this country. And um, that is a great concern. Now, 66% of Republicans, when they broke it down in partial group, Republicans said they would fight for the country. But there's a big gap there. There's something going on wrong. And we're not putting the country together the way it ought to be. We're headed in the wrong direction. And uh, we need to <clears throat> we need to figure out how to face this dilemma that we're facing. We're we're close to world war right now. We don't know when that if that breaks out when it will happen. And uh, if you've got people in here that are disloyal and don't want to leave the country, don't want to fight for the country, uh, who can you trust? Wait. Where are we going? So who are you talking about? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about, about the, the people in the survey that we're taking. Well, you know, I'm, I'm concerned, and, and I'd, I'd like to follow up and, and find out who did that survey um, and, and, you know, ex- and pick it apart a little bit. But it's, it's problematic. We've been talking about how there's this large number of people who don't believe the validity of the last presidential election in this country. And what it boils down to, and regardless of whatever polls, including elections, you take, half the people in this country don't want to follow Joe Biden, and half the people in this country don't want to follow Donald Trump. Which means that there's nobody that everybody wants to follow which is a problem to begin with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, you know, it's a lot different, you know, when you look at the situation that's going on in Ukraine. And here is this, this comedian, actor, TV writer guy who became president, and he's actually got more of his people behind him yes. than any American president in the last, 40 years. That's true. Even some of his recent opponents yeah. in the yeah. election were supporting him now. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's a problem for America, to 
to grapple with and deal with. And and I'm concerned by a number like that, Henry. If you say that 55 percent of the uh, respondents to this this polling or yeah. survey that was done wouldn't take up arms to defend their country, well, I think that changes a little bit when boots land on your street. Um, but you know, we'll we'll have to see. I I, I think. Maybe Ukraine is teaching the world a lesson, and we need to learn it. And, you know, as I said last week, it would be welcome to have some of those immigrants come to the United States to reestablish the Constitution as the official document of the United States and work through the Constitution. So, and so yes, I... I, I you, you are a defender of the Constitution, and, of course... If I, 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 if I, if you're saying what I think you're saying, that somehow there are a bunch of Democrats in this country that are no, not Democrats. Uh, well, let's not, please, not Democrats. I'm not segregating people out as Democrats and Republicans. Three Democrats are Ukrainians. Yeah, Henry. Are you, who are you, huh? So who who are you saying is is betraying the Constitution or something? That all I did. No, I did. Uh, we we um, diminished the value of the Constitution as the as the document for all Americans to uh, to yeah. follow. Uh, on, Jan- on January sixth, for instance. Yeah, yeah. On January sixth, for instance, you are you yeah. are you are acknowledging that, correct? Well, yeah. and and I think Henry has has. Uh, during the last segment made a, a point to say that we got to find out what really happened January yeah. 6th and and I there's some interesting stuff coming out of that um, CNN just had a piece about um, the Justice Department finding some uh, some paperwork some documents outlining a strategy for January 6th yeah, that predated yeah. the event. Mm-hmm. And and it turns out that uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife was right. there. Yeah. And, and yeah. so yeah. I think yeah. there's, you know, we're going to find out something very, very significant about January 6th. And now whether you people know. believe it, you know, where they fall in the wake of the evidence is yet to be seen. Yeah, yeah, that was my question. If whatever comes out, are we going to have a situation where, you know, if, if they find that indeed there was all kind of planning and, and for, for it, are we going to have a situation where the Democrats say, "Ah, see, we told you so," and Republicans say, "Oh, we don't believe it anyhow. It's a partisan deal," and uh, is, is much going to change uh, result? I mean, it, it sounds from what I'm seeing is that there's an awful lot of very strong evidence to suggest a lot of planning and it went to somewhere around the White House, if not if not to Trump directly, at least in the White House circles, went into that. It was not just a, an angry crowd of tourists, but whatever comes right. out in the end, uh, how how will the two different parties accept it or reject it? Well, I, you know, and, I, and, I and think... And it was a constitutional thing. It was it was um, a, dis, a disdain and, and a deliberate disrespect for the constitutional... For, con, for the Constitution and all of that stuff that's coming out. So it's... Well, guys, I'm like Socrates. I want to know the truth. 
Well, I have, to tell, right I have to tell you a story okay. that, that that came up on the show when last uh, last Wednesday, I in the first hour of the show, I had uh, Aaron Solomon on, who um, is the chief legal analyst for Esquire Digital. And he writes in publications both in the United States and in Canada. And the specific subject that we were talking about were the Canadian truckers that were uh, protesting over uh, vaccine mandates and, and right. so on. Yeah. Yeah. And he was telling me the funniest story about some of these uh, protesters from Canada that when they were challenged by a, uh, a Canadian law that allows the prime minister, seldom used, by the way, to um, uh, use emergency powers to shut down a protest or, or to, you know, break up a protest like the, the truckers at the, the various borders. And the people arguing against the prime minister were complaining that their First Amendment constitutional rights were being denied. <laughs> and he said, without even realizing, they don't fall under the U.S. Constitution, <laughs> and there is no First right. Amendment <laughs> in Canada. Yeah. And, and it was the funniest conversation, because what happens is these things that we talk about, are heard around the world. And democracies in right. other countries, they believe they have the right to free speech because they've got it in America. Yeah. And I yeah. think we I think we need <laughs> to have a little more respect for our own rules. Thank you. Because we we can and should be a model for the rest of the world. But instead, we're giving that up to Ukraine. Could <laughs> oh, yeah. I ask um, Henry what fork in the road is? Could you clarify? Because you started out today by saying, "I think we're at a fork in the road," and I just want—I yeah. think we are too, Henry. But I'm curious to know a little bit more about how you see that. What, what is oh, that thank you, Dan. You know I can't answer that because I don't have all of the issues at my fingertips. I don't know as much as others know about this. All I know is what I, I hear you, and I read. And I, I, I yeah. seldomly believe in all the stuff I read. Well, when you said that, Henry, I assumed you were talking about the Republican Party, whether it's going to become the Trump Party or the traditional Republican um, Party. No, and, and uh, yeah, now there's an issue. Now, you know, parties are in themselves uh, self-serving and self-surviving. And they cannot and must not depend on any single person or any single issue. But it is, we're guided by the Constitution. The Constitution is our Bible. And there are still some Americans who believe in the Constitution. Would you believe it? There are some people that really believe in I'd it. I'd like to believe it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, there, uh, there's a um, Republicans and Democrats and people 
who form the authority of this country have got to begin a process where we pull the country back together uh, to the baseline, any kind of a baseline where we can all agree, and start from there and build back the confidence in the Constitution and in this country. Because otherwise, we're, we're headed off in many directions with all of the other issues well, that we have to face. Actually, Henry, if you, took the if you took the Constitution very literally, we wouldn't even have political parties. They're, they're not mentioned in the Constitution, and yeah. a lot of those early founding fathers thought they were a terrible idea. and They were wrong almost immediately. But, yeah, theoretically, if you took it very literally, there, there wouldn't even be Democrats or Republicans or anybody else out there. There'd just be a bunch of people. Now, that's I don't have very a problem against that. I know that people have... They don't see all things together, and we're going to line up behind A or B. I don't have a problem with that. But it's, it's uh, how we work together. Uh, yeah, the no, people in the old days used to be able to work there, together. And, and yeah. I'd like to say so this. What actions, what actions do you see are, would be needed for that to start to happen, Henry? Well, we've got to have a baseline. You've got to, you've got to have the right people at the table. You can't have politicians or people who are dedicated. You gotta have someone else like. And I, how you find that kind of person is, I don't know. Could it be college presidents? Could it be philosophers? Could it be parishioners? I don't know, but somebody out there has a, um, has a feel for how to establish uh, strength and belief and resolve in the Constitution so that it's reestablished for us. And as, as, as the polar caps melt and the sea rises and stuff like that, we've got a lot of problems to deal with. And we, don't, we can't even stop and think about those kind of things that some people are really concerned about that. We've got a rising population, diminishing resources. And all of a sudden, we have to deal with uh, the Korea, uh, North Korea's uh, firing missiles into the sea of Japan, stuff like that. But while we struggle at home, it's difficult to find out who the enemies are. Is it Russia, or is it we among ourselves? Who would you join if there was an all-out war? I don't know. Yeah. Some people say Russia is better. Some say others are better. I know. But I will stay here, and I'll have to take the role that the Ukrainians are taking. I would stand for my country yeah. as I got my yeah. flag out that could always fly. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's something, um, something that I find very amusing about the, the fact that um, Putin's been thought of such a you know, big bully and a, a threat to the world. And this comedy writer from Ukraine has made him look small. And I, there's, That's true. There's yeah. something I find very amusing about that. I know this is a very fraught time and, and that, you know, I, I'm probably a little bit frivolous to, to be amused, but, but yet I am. President Joe Biden is heading to uh, Europe next week to meet with world leaders and talk about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He's going to Brussels to, to participate in a NATO summit on uh, the 24th, and he will also join a European Council meeting. Um, 
how much of an impact will Biden's presence have at these meetings? Well, I think, I I think it'll, underscore, it'll underscore, the, actually, in many ways, the strengthening of NATO. One ironic spinoff of, of Putin's move in Ukraine is that he has had the effect of, of rebuilding NATO that was kind of in decline during the Trump years, as I mentioned before. And I think now it's it's much stronger, much more vital than it had been for a long time. I mean, I think Biden just being there will, will symbolize that. But I think the the events of the last month or so have really had an effect of of rebuilding and re-strengthening NATO in a substantial way. I think that Biden uh, is doing what he's the best at when he's in that kind of situation. Um, I mean, uh, you know, uh, during the Trump years, Trump tried to undermine NATO, and I hesitate to think where we'd be now if Trump had gotten reelected, because... It's the NATO alliance that's been rejuvenated that's really helping to respond and and to continue making Putin look small, to use your term. Um, So I I think that, uh, you know, Biden uh, is not he's not going to like be shaking his fist and everything. It's it's not his style, but he's he and his administration are working very, very, very hard. And I think I think Blinken is pretty brilliant at what he's doing. Uh, so I think it is, he is a powerful influence there. He just doesn't, he's not, um, he's not, uh, dramatic about it in the way that Trump would have tried to be. And he's, so I think it's powerful that he's going there. I do. Mm-hmm. He, he demonstrates his power in a much different way than, than Trump did. And, you know, people want more drama, but I think, I think, so my, my view is I think it will have an effect. Uh, and I, I think that too. I agree with you, Jan. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> and um, Biden has a different expression. Everybody says this guy is weak. He's um, uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's crazy. And then we end up uh, finding the Russian president comes on the scene, and now he's crazy. Now we don't know who's crazy, whether it's Biden or <laughs> Putin. Uh, so. Um, I, I like the way uh, Biden is uh, presenting himself on the world stage because he could have gotten us into a world war, war that would have, ended, would have ended all of humanity, by the way. That's, and we don't know not, whether that's out there. Yeah, we don't know whether that's still out there. Yeah. It's not going to be an ego show for, for Biden. He'll be there as president, but it's, it's not going to be all about him. It's not going to be like a, right. a, a, a boost to his own ego. And, you know, guys, there's proof out there that what I say is evident because you'll see the Republicans now joining to some degree to pass legislation that's bipartisan in this event. And that means that they want the president to hold um, hold the robe where he is. Well, there's a lot going on uh, this week, and and uh, I've gotten a little behind in my notes here, so I'm going to try and uh, see if I can do a little bit of a lightning round so we can hit a few more of these things before we bump up in the, to the break in about four and a half minutes. Um, the Senate Tuesday passed a measure that would make daylight savings time permanent across the U.S. Uh, the sponsors, uh, Republican Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, says it's an idea whose time has come. Has its time come? (laughs) 
maybe an hour ahead of time. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I I, 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 I like the idea of that, and that was very bipartisan, wasn't it? it was it almost unanimous? Yes, so, yes, it was. Yeah. Bipartisan. Now, can I just say? I, I, I'm just going to be pissy about this. Can I just say how remarkable that we're that it seems so easy to pass some time change thing, and and we can't pass a, something about voting rights. Can I just can I just bitch about that a little? You bit? You can absolutely Sorry. bitch about that. Yeah. And I'll even I'll even let set let it up. Hear it. <laughs> I'll even set it up for you because a measure. Let moving, us hear it so we can shoot it down. <laughs> a measure moving through the Republican-controlled Georgia legislature would hand new election policing powers to the state's Bureau of Investigations. Um, and then last week, the Florida legislature created a scaled-back version of a new election police force that had been sought by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. Is creating an election police force a way of ensuring that the rules are followed, or is it a way of predetermining the outcome? I think it's a way of discouraging some Bad voters. idea. Bad idea. Yeah, it's a bad idea. This is a free country, sounds, guys. It sounds like like the Stalin era or something, you know, for good yes. sake. Gosh. Yeah, you've, you've already got secretaries of state who do the, who so supervise elections already, and I guess I say an election police force really has a very ominous sound to it. I, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. one one more quickly. Um, <laughs> prosecutors have discovered a written plan, I mentioned this earlier, to infiltrate and occupy six congressional office buildings and the Supreme Court on January 6th. Um, and and I guess rather than go through all the details about uh, Proud Boys and the leader and Rock Enrique uh, Torrio, um, I'll, I'll just ask the question I was left with: Was the attack on the U.S. Capitol part of a civil war, and is it still going on? Hmm. I that depends on where the source of this. I think, for, for, from the Proud Boys' perspective, it might have been. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, from their from their perspective. Maybe a few other similar groups. They they might have gone in that direction given the given the opportunity. I do. I think so. Um, I think it's still going on, but it's moved into the Secretary of State's offices and so on. I mean, this whole thing has moved into what you know you've sort of been getting us to talk about during the whole two hours today. Um, about what's happening with election processes and everything. That's where the civil war, quote-unquote, is being played out now. And it's far more uh, dreadful, in my view, and foreboding about democracy than even what happened on January 6th, in my view. Why should that matter, uh, Jan? Why should that matter? Since only about 60% of the American people vote. I'm close to it somewhere. Maybe it's 70%. But it's more like probably sixty percent. No, you're closer to sixty, Henry. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. for most. Now, yeah, that, that, that's for our biggest elections. Suddenly, you get some local elections understand? around here in Flint. You'll be lucky to get ten or fifteen percent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. why are we fighting yeah, over yeah. this? The voting. We don't need to go that far. People don't are not inclined to vote. Why is there such a big issue? That's that's well. Why would we? That's an important yeah. question. Um, and, and Jan, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but we have a, no, another break coming up, and then the uh, the uh, 
my favorite segment in the final segment of today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program, The X-Files. And if we can, uh, and maybe I'll rush through those a little bit and we'll have a few minutes to uh, wrap up at the end. We'll uh, take a short break and let our broadcast partners squeeze in. We'll be right back. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year, the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello! I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan with Blood Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. 
Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company, and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, to uh, Armchair Politics. And my favorite part as we roll into the final segment of uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program, The X-Files, those weird and wacky stories that are strange but true, like this one. Percy, a porcupine puppet of prodigious proportions, emerged from her giant stump home for an audience of school children and media members at a Los Angeles park on Tuesday. The adorable beast inspired oohs and ahs um, as she blinked her droopy eyes and opened her mouth to show her buck teeth. She stood nearly two stories tall with a nose the size of a Volkswagen. A joint project of the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance and Jim Henson's Creature Shop, Percy was let out to celebrate next week's opening of the zoo's new Wildlife Explorers Base Camp. Six months in the planning, the puppet is modeled on the prehensile-tailed porcupine native to South America. It has a circumference of nearly 40 feet and has 2,000 foam quills that it took a houseworth of paint to put stripes on. Um, is this the beginning of fake zoos? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll just not have virtual <laughs> zoos anymore. <laughs> yeah, it may be pastime. It could be, yeah. Alternate animals. Yeah. Yes. Well, moviegoers in Austin, Texas, got to see more than one type of bat during a screening of The Batman this weekend. An actual bat was spotted swooping around inside the theater, putting the movie on pause while management called Animal Control and tried unsuccessfully to get the critter out. Guests were offered their money back, but most chose to stick it out and watch the film Bat and All, according to one moviegoer. The movie house and eatery says the bat was likely released into the theater as a prank. The theater's general manager, Heidi Dano, said they will be adding additional security and checking all bags upon guest entry. There were no reports of anyone being bitten during the incident. Less than 1% of bats in the wild have rabies. Prank or publicity stunt? Uh, maybe publicity. <laughs> yeah, I think 
think publicity stunt. I was just thinking maybe they should have called Spider-Man or Superman to pick up the bat. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Huh? That would have been funny. Uh. That, w- that would be a little bit creepy, I think. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember last week we had a, a story about um, human heads being found. Oh, oh yeah, yes. yeah. Well, <laughs> several animal heads found in a plastic bag in East Greenwich last month appear to be related to some sort of religious animal sacrifice ritual. The Rhode Island oh. Society for the Prevention of Cruelty said Tuesday the bag originally brought to the attention of police on February 25th near a boat launch contained a calf's head, several rooster heads, a lamb head, and a kid goat head, uh, the animal welfare group Mm. said in a statement. It is believed that animal remains that were found were from animals that were sacrificed as part of a religious ritual, the nonprofit organization said. The bag also contained grains and colored cloth material associated with previous animal sacrifice investigations and two hand-drawn pictures, the organization said. One looked like a letter D with an arrow through it and one looked like a smiling theater mask. The RISPCA asked anyone with information about the bag or the significance of the drawings to contact their investigators. But I wondered if these might not be the heads of pets that belong to the found human heads that we talked about last week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, good grief. Yeah. Mm. Pretty creepy Mm. finds. That is creepy. Yeah. Hmm. Usually for sacrifices, they usually use homo sapiens, don't they? Mm. Well, I don't know. It depends well. on who's doing the sacrificing, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> we have to check with the anthropologists. No, I think, you know, I mean, even, I, I think animals have been part of sacrifices going all the way back to the beginning of time. I, I mean, that's where, Yeah, I think that's probably true. That's where the phrase sacrificial yeah, yeah. lamb comes from. Yeah, b- b- biblical stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then yeah. that doesn't involve the feelings and the beliefs of, uh, Human beings, there's got to be something where somebody is known to be like them and who loses Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean human, human sacrifice was not unknown in some, some cultures. Uh, that's right. That's, yeah. As a matter of punishment or as a matter of tribute to something? Well, yeah, it did The water, the rain, whatever. You know, throwing virgins in a volcano or something like that. Yes. Or or letting bats loose in a crowded theater. That's right. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well, that has to be hilarious. (laughs) Hey, one one story that that I uh, had to blow past because we were running out of time, and I want to go back and pick it up because it was kind of interesting. Bobby and Bill Kilberg were expecting a few dozen people for their fundraiser Monday for GOP rep Liz Cheney, an intimate cocktail party they were planning at their home in McLean, Virginia. 
But in the weeks since the Republican National Committee voted to censure Cheney for her involvement in the uh, ongoing House Select Committee investigation of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, the couple was flooded with requests to come and meet the Congresswoman and the event's special guest, Utah GOP Senator Mitt Romney. Mm. So many people RSVP'd yes that uh, Monday's event was moved to another larger venue. The Kilbergs family had to cap the list of co-hosts, co-hosts when it hit 75. The donor interest isn't all for Cheney's re-election bid for her House seat in Wyoming more than two full years before the 2024 election. Cheney is emerging as the anti-Trump champion, and plenty of Republicans are glad to see it. Um, And and so I want to jump ahead to my question, which is, if Cheney survives the midterms, what does that mean for Donald Trump, and would she make a good POTUS nominee for the GOP? (laughs) I've heard her name mentioned in that context. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a strategy. You're thinking ahead, huh? Because mm. Cheney has not only Republicans, but she has Democrats. So uh, a yeah, lot of Democrats yeah. like her. They tried to get her to move into she the Dem- Democrat Party, but she said you know, no. For those who liked Trump's policies, he was ninety percent. He was ninety percent with them. Yeah, yeah, say but, but, but she's, but to uh, to Henry's point, he's pro constitution. Henry, he's yes, fighting for constitution. So I mean, she might be your girl. She might be Trump's girl. <laughs> His salvation, be Trump's girl, but. I don't. I don't. Well, know. She, like I said, she, I she don't, don't the division in the Republican Party, and I and I think it may the turnout may reflect that. I, I I have a hunch that this Trump's Trump star is fading. I think. I mean, this his comments on Ukraine certainly have, have fed that. I think in some ways, but I think that the the Trump show may be getting a little, little wearisome for even for some of his supporters. I mean, I know he's still got holding rallies and doing all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, you get a sense that the the energy is not there that it used to be. But you got to remember that Americans are disaggregated. Nobody's moving in the same. Very few people are moving in the same direction at the same time. Oh, that's so true. we don't know where we are. Yeah, and lots yeah, can happen. Right. That depends on how people will manifest themselves in twenty twenty four. Well. That wraps it up for today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. And I want to say thanks to Tom Hartman, my guest earlier this morning on the show. But uh, also I want to make sure and thank uh, Jan Worth Nelson for joining the roundtable this week. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Jan. Good talking to you as usual. Yeah, it was always fun. And our roundtable regulars, uh, always a treat. Paul, thank you. Always good to be here. Have a good evening. Uh, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hander on the right. Henry, we missed you thank the you, first sir. half, but thanks for uh, oh, joining thank us you. midway. Good to have you here, Henry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, guys. I feel All good. Right. Take care. And good company. Good to have Goodbye. Bye. And that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I will be back tomorrow for a St. Patrick's Day uh, nod on the Tom Sumner program, and I hope you will be too. In the meantime, 
Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.